Kabbalah and the Psychology of the Soul, taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. If God wanted us to do the right thing, why did He make it so difficult? He gives us a Torah, He gives us 613 mitzvahs, and He says, I expect the world of you. Everything. Here's the code of Jewish law and a silver platter. I expect the whole thing from each and every one of you. Well, Hashem, if you would have made life easier. <laughs> one thing. <laughs> he gives us obstacles from right, left, and center. He throws us curves from left field. We're always surprised, constantly surprised. We think we overcome the hurdle. There's a new hurdle. There's a new goal. There's a new... The, the, the goalpost keeps on, <laughs> keeps on advancing. Constant challenge. You think you finish one level, you go on to the next level. It's, it's, it's never-ending. What's the point? It's counterproductive. Make up your mind. You want us to do the right thing, so make it easy for us to do the right thing. He says, no. Even the Russia, even the fact that Hashem put us in an impossible situation, He put us in a situation where we have to deal with so much negativity from within and from without, it's also for His sake. Because by overcoming that difficulty, you transform, you bring light. You bring such illumination, such pleasure, such, it's such a delicacy for them, it's such a pleasure. And it's like the, it's, it's the novelty also. It's one thing when the tzaddik does the right thing, that's to be expected. That's to be expected. The tzaddik naturally wants to do the right thing. He can't do the wrong thing. Because he's not even tempted to do the wrong thing. He's only tempted to do the right thing. But when you overcome your difficulty and you make a choice, that's a novelty. That's unexpected. That's a quantum, quantum leap. You introduce something new into this world. And this is what gives God tremendous pleasure. It's the biggest delight. And the analogy is given. It is, how do you entertain the king? When the king wants to be entertained, how do you entertain the king? So you bring the parrots... And when the parrot speaks, the king finds it very entertaining. What's the big deal? The parrot spoke. People speak a lot better than the parrot. When people speak, you get annoyed. <laughs> you fall asleep, you get annoyed. When the parrot speaks, the whole court is entertained. It's very entertaining. What happened? The parrot could hardly say a few words. It's entertaining. Why? Because it's a novelty. You don't expect the parrot to speak. So when the parrot speaks, it's so delightful. And that's our situation. That's the human condition. It's one thing for the angels to praise God, or for the tzaddikim, the righteous ones. It's natural. But for us to do the right thing, it's so unnatural. It's so unpredictable. It's so entertaining to Hashem. It's such an illumination. It gives such pleasure. It's a delicacy. It gives God such infinite pleasure. This This is His entertainment. We are His entertainment. This grabs his attention. It's a novelty. It's something unexpected. So everything was all created for Hashem's sake. The darkness was created for Hashem's sake. Like it says, this world is like a circus. It's entertainment. The fact that there's a struggle, and there's a conflict, and there's two teams, and I don't know which team is going to win. And you overcome the negativity. This is entertainment. It's unpredictable. I don't know. It can go either way. And yet you choose to do the right not because you're a robot, because you're forced to do the right thing. You choose to do the right thing. This has such value, such entertainment value. This is Hashem's entertainment. This is Hashem's pleasure. So we are, we give Hashem such infinite pleasure. 
This is what he watches 24-7. He's watching us. This is ent- his entertainment. Somebody's entertained. What? Somebody's entertained. <laughs> somebody's laughing, right? We're, we're crying and somebody's laughing. The problem is we're using a human metaphor. Because you could ask, well, if he knows what the outcome is, how can it be entertaining? Well, that's a, that's a whole other question. Because Hashem knows past, present, and future, but Hashem knows what we have already chosen, but he doesn't force our choice. But we're not going to get into it now. Basically, you're talking about something that's inexplicable. How can God know the future? Could you understand it with your rational mind? How can God know the future? How can someone know the future? You know, what, you know the present, you know the past. How do you know the future? So just like you don't understand how God can know the future, so you don't understand how God's future, knowledge of the future doesn't affect your choice. Okay, you're dealing with, with something that's totally inexplicable. You're dealing with something that's totally beyond human understanding because God's mind is not like our mind. That's a whole different discussion that we studied in different parts in the Tanya, in the second part of the Tanya, in chapter 7, how God's mind is different than our mind, and God knows the future. You can refer to it, chapter 7, in the second part of the the Tanya. We are the main players. We are the stars in the show. Isn't everyone dying to go to Hollywood? (laughs) We We are the main actors in the show. We are the entertainment. Every time we do something unpredictable, it gives God tremendous pleasure, infinite pleasure. So that should give you joy. Don't be sad. Why are you walking around so sad and dejected and feeling so terrible about yourself and about life and look at your situation and it's hopeless? And on the contrary, you are the front line. You are the star. You are giving Hashem such entertainment. Every time you do something unpredictable, you do the right thing. You overcome your nature, overcome your urge, overcome your instinct. So this, this goes contrary, contrary to the central message of society today, which encourages, encourages you to indulge, succumb, follow every human weakness, follow every human urge, follow every human instinct. doesn't appreciate the value of struggle. And here the Torah is telling us on the contrary. The whole purpose of life is true. It's only then that you come alive. It's only then that you touch his soul. It's only then that you're real, that you're touching Hashem. You're fulfilling the whole purpose of your being, of your existence, of creation. It's only then that you sparkle, you shine. So don't, don't fall for the siren song of succumbing. Of, don't, don't Be seduced. It's very seductive. But it's a dead end. It's an empty trip. There's nothing there at the end. There's no satisfaction. There's there's nothing there. It just leads to heartbreak and to addiction and to self-destruction and to superficiality and mediocrity. There's nothing there. You want to sparkle. You want to shine. You want to make something of yourself. You want to really, really feel accomplished and, and meaningful. It's only by overcoming and doing something, making that radical leap, that quantum leap, doing something that unpredictable, overcoming your nature, overcoming your overcoming your instinct, that's when you make this world a better place. And that's when you come alive. That's when you touch your soul. That's when you touch the soul of Hashem. And what happens in a microcosm eventually has 
infinite repercussions on the macrocosm. The world becomes a better place. The darkness and the distortions and the ugliness and the, is diminished. And the world becomes a much better, more enjoyable place. You reveal, instead of the world being a jungle, you reveal that this world is a wonderful, wonderful place. Because what, what happens in this world is really a reflection of what's happening inside of us. We are in charge. We are, in a certain sense, we are in charge. We are sitting in the command and control center of the world, of the entire universe. What happens inside, the way we live our lives, individually and collectively, impacts the whole world. So when we live a superficial life, an indulgent life, a life where we just follow every whim and every thought that pops into our mind, we just follow and we don't, there's no struggle, and there's no conflict, and we don't rise above our nature, we don't overcome our nature, instead of doing the right thing, then that world becomes a very shallow and a very, very dark place, empty place. But when we overcome that struggle, we rise above our nature, this brings such pleasure into this world. This brings such light, such an intense light, enough to revive the soul. It touches God in the deepest place. It touches us in the deepest place. And it touches the world at its very core and essence. It makes this world such a pleasurable place, a beautiful place. Instead of a jungle, this world becomes a garden of Eden. As a result of our struggle, of our conflict, of our effort. And each struggle, just like every atom, reflects the entire universe. The atom, the tiniest unit in the world, is just as infinitely complex as the entire universe, as all the stars and the galaxies put together. Because the tiniest is a reflection. Just like the sun, the entire sun is reflected in one drop of the ocean as it is reflected in the whole ocean. Every drop in this universe reflects the infinite complexity and the infinite infinity of Hashem. So too, if this is true on a collective basis, when all of us together and collectively, individually, collectively struggle, it's also true of one struggle, one person, one struggle, contains all that energy in it. Contains that infinite energy, that, that atomic energy. Every time we struggle, and every time we do the right thing, it reverberates. It creates a, a, a nuclear explosion, a spiritual explosion. And it touches Hashem so deeply. And it touches the whole universe. It shakes the universe to its very core. In a positive sense. So be joyful. Appreciate it. Realize what, what you're doing, what you're accomplishing. You're the front line. You're the, true, you're the front line. You're bringing holiness into this world. You're making the world a beautiful place. And your own life and your own home. Every time you overcome. One of the 613 mitzvot is that a person should sanctify yourself. As Nachman Ali says, a, a person could follow the letter of the law, do everything that's right. But he's a scoundrel. He's a bum. He's doing everything that's right. You can't schlep him to court. He did everything right. He didn't do anything wrong. But he's a bum. Because he's, he's not living with the spirit of the law. There's the law, but then there's the spirit of the law. Yes, technically you're doing everything that's right. But you know, you're, not, you're not living up to what the law really expects of you. You could be a scoundrel. So there's a mitzvah. After Hashem gives us all these mitzvot, 613 mitzvot, He said one of the mitzvahs is Kedosh and be holy. It's not enough just technically and mechanically doing everything that's right. It's also a live with the spirit of the law. 
Like the Torah gives us so many examples of loving your fellow Jew like yourself and doing this and then thou shalt not steal and thou shalt not be jealous and envy. But there's so many things that the Torah can't spell out. But you get the idea. The idea is be respectful of other people, be kind to other people, be good to other people. So a person could technically, I didn't do anything wrong. But you're not living up to the spirit of the law. That's the ethics of our fathers, the Hasidus, Milsa the Hasidus. You, you, in other words, a person who goes, not just the law, the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. So there's a mitzvah. There's a mitzvah in being holy. Being holy means not only not doing anything wrong, but not doing everything that's not wrong. Just because something is not wrong, something is not prohibited, doesn't mean you have to do it, doesn't mean you have to indulge. A person who indulges, it's kosher. Lot kosher. I didn't do anything wrong. Technically, I did everything that's right. But if you live a life of indulgence and you indulge and you in, 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 in kosher things, lot kosher things, you're not living by the spirit of the law. The spirit of the law is you should be holy. Don't live a life of indulgence. Don't live for materialistic pleasure. Don't define yourself by materialism. Realize it's just a shell, it's just a means to the end. That's not what it's all about. That's just the superficial. Don't live for money, power, fame. That's all external, superficial. Live a holy life. Live a life that's connected. Realize who you are. Exercise your divine spark. So every time a person overcomes his urge and his instinct, he is fulfilling the positive commandment of being holy. So in addition to what he said in the beginning of the chapter, that every time we're bombarded with negative thoughts, and we dismiss those thoughts. We don't indulge in those thoughts. We are doing the will of Hashem because we're fulfilling a mitzvah. Don't follow your heart and don't follow your eyes. So he's saying not only shouldn't you feel sad by the fact that you are condemned to struggle for the rest of your life, but we should be joyful because you're fulfilling a mitzvah. The mitzvah is not to indulge in negative thoughts, but so too every time you overcome your instinct, your urge, your desire, you're actually fulfilling a positive commandment. Not only are you fulfilling a prohibition, the, the negative commandment of not following your heart and your eyes and your instincts, but you're actually also fulfilling a positive commandment of being holy. So even something that's permissible, the Torah is telling us, not everything that's permissible you have to do. You have to indulge. Just because it's kosher, and just because it's permissible, kosher means it's kosher. It doesn't mean you have to indulge in everything that's kosher. So every time you overcome your urge, you overcome your instinct, and you act in a holy way, you're fulfilling a positive commandment. So you're doing the will of Hashem. So be joyful. This is what Hashem wants of us. Hashem wants the struggle. Hashem loves the struggle. Not only when we have to overcome a negative temptation, but even the fact that, like the example you used earlier, when you, you have an urge to think something that's kosher, you have an urge to eat, and you're going to eat anyway, and you have to eat. And you have an urge to speak, something that you have to speak, you have to speak business, you have to. But when you, every time you overcome that urge and that instinct, and you delay it, and you push it off, and you suppress it, and you overcome it, and you rise above it, and you show self-discipline and self-control, Every time you do that, you're fulfilling this mitzvah. You're doing what Hashem wanted you. You're, you're acting in a holy way. You're showing that you're holy. That you transcend, you rise above the mundane, the ordinary, the external, the superficial, the material. You urge your instinct. You rise above your ego. You rise above your nature.
and you're, you're acting in a holy way and you're bringing holiness into this world. The verse says, make yourself holy. A tzaddik doesn't have to make himself holy. A tzaddik is holy. His whole being is holy. He's not even tempted to do anything wrong. He's only attracted to holiness. So a tzaddik, it's not an act. It's not something he has to force himself to be holy. So who's the Torah speaking to when the Torah says, act holy? It's like an act. Why is it an act? Because it's not natural. Naturally, we don't feel holy. Naturally, we're attracted to materialism, to ego, to money, power, fame, indulgence. This is what, this is what attracts us. So the, the Torah is speaking to someone who has to, it's like an act. You have to act holy, even though inside you don't feel holy. Hashem promises a person, when a person will act holy, even though it's an act, and it's unnatural, and it's a tremendous struggle, and it takes a tremendous effort, but Hashem responds in kind. And Hashem's response is way beyond our effort. There's no comparison. We make a slight effort, and Hashem's respond, Hashem responds according to His abilities, which is infinite. So we sanctify ourselves. One iota in this world, one slight movement forward to the positive, Hashem responds not only in kind, Hashem responds in an infinite, infinite measure. That if we act holy and try to act holy, Hashem will give us holiness. And so much so that we will become holy. At least to some extent. Although we don't have the ability to become a tzaddik, but to some extent... As a result of Hashem sanctifying us, we will become holy in the sense that we won't even be tempted to do something wrong. We'll have a taste of the tzaddik. The yisem, you will become holy. Your being will become holy. Not only, it won't be an act. Hashem gives us such a level of holiness that we, we, we will no longer even be tempted to do anything wrong. So this is a gift that comes from Hashem. This is only Hashem could accomplish. It's not within our realm. It's not, we can't accomplish it. We, are, we have our urges, we have our instincts, we have our nature. We cannot control our subconscious. But we could control ourselves, how we respond, how we react. We have the ability to overcome our nature. We have the ability to choose. We're flexible. We have that flexibility. We're not prisoners of nature. Hashem will reward you and will give you holiness and sanctify your life and your neshama and your soul so much so that your being will become holy that you, you will no longer be tempted. Hashem will give you that gift that you will no longer or at least will diminish your temptations or lessen your temptations. So you won't have to struggle so much. That's a gift that Hashem that comes from Hashem. Someone once complained to the Alter Rebbe, the author of the Tanya, and he says, you know, Hasidim are a bunch of fakers. They're actors. They're pretending to be holy. They study first, before they come in the morning, before they pray in the morning, they study for a few hours, they study the Tanya, they study the Hasidic teachings. And they study about the deepest aspects of Hashem, how God fills all the worlds, how God encompasses all the worlds, how all the worlds are insignificant in comparison to God, there's no relationship, insignificant. And then they sit and pray, many Hasidim would sit and pray for hours and close their eyes and meditate and sing and pray and with fervor, with, with, in, with intensity. And um, he says, so he complained that Hasidim are a bunch of fakers. They don't mean it. They're acting in a way that's totally beyond, beyond them, beyond, beyond their own level. 
So the Alter Rebbe smiled and he says, the Mishnah says that if a person is rich, he pretends that he's poor, that people go around collecting, collecting money. It's an illness and they have money. And they, they die and they, they find out they're millionaires. But they go around begging. Because if a person pretends that he's poor, he won't die until he's poor. He'll generally, if you act and pretend, if a person pretends to be a cripple, he acts like he's a cripple and pretends to be a cripple, he won't die until he'll actually become a cripple. So he smiled. He said, so Hasidim are pretending to be holy. <laughs> this is an act. But Hashem promises they won't die until they'll actually, actually be holy. <laughs> yeah, so it's an act. But, you know, Hashem will, will bless them that they'll, they'll, they'll become genuine. You act, you act long enough. To, you're acting and you're holy. You act long enough. You know, before you know it, some of that holiness will actually seep in. They would call it iskafia. Iskafia means to suppress your urge, suppress your instinct. To show that you're in charge, you're in control. You have, you have the discipline, you have. And if you're in charge, you're in control, then you can engage in this world. Then you're not afraid of this world. Then you can elevate. Every experience becomes an elevating experience. You are elevated by it and it elevates you. It becomes a wholesome experience. It says the difference between a human being and an animal is the gift that God gave human beings are that animal never looks up. An animal can go through its entire life and not once look up to heaven. All the animal thinks about is where's my next meal going to come from? That's all. It goes through its entire life. That's an, that's an animal. A human being, God didn't create us. We, we, we don't crawl on four, on all four. We, we stand erect because we have the gift we have the ability. There are people who live like animals. But we have at least the ability to look up, to wonder, to think. What's my purpose? What's the bigger picture? What's it all about? Why am I here? What's the meaning in life? So we have the ability to rise above nature. And that's why God says in the Torah that man will control the whole world. You are in charge of the whole world. Because the whole world, all the creatures of the world, are animals, are instincts. They just follow their instincts. But when a man acts like a man, when he's created in the image of God and he exercises that divine ability, and he rises above his urge and instinct and does the right thing, and he's in charge. Instead of nature being in charge of him, he's in charge of nature. And that's when he sparkles and he shines. Then you are in charge of the whole world, as we learned earlier. The animal respects, when the animal sees a God-fearing person, a genuine person, the animal senses has a sense of the divine and the animal is afraid of Like Daniel and the lion in the lion's den. They saw the, the image of God in his forehead and even animals sense the presence of God and they were afraid to touch him. Even predatory went against their own nature. When a person rises above his own nature, then the creatures of nature, the animals, the creatures of habit in this world also go against their nature. The predatory animals went against the nature and didn't even touch, wouldn't lay a finger. On Daniel. Every time you suppress, you overcome your nature, your habit, and you're able to rise above your habit and rise above your nature and do something that's uncomfortable and do something that's inconvenient for you to do and, and push yourself. And There's tremendous, infinite value in that. Every time you're able to overcome your ego, your nature, and act in a way that's unnatural, showing that you're not a victim of nature. You're not a prisoner of nature. You are in charge. You are above your nature.
Everyone talks about tikkun olam, changing the world. You cannot change the world if you are the world. A person who's trapped in prison cannot release himself from prison. It's only when you are the outsider, when you're above prison, outside of prison, then you can unlock the door, open the door and release. Release the prison. You cannot overcome nature, you cannot change this world and make this world tikkun olam, make this world a better place, unless you are, you, you are able to rise above the world, above nature. When you are not imprisoned by nature, when you're not a creature of habit, when you are in charge and you're in control and you're able to rise above your habit and suppress your habit and overcome your habit and overcome your nature, even if it's only an urge to, to do something natural, not to do anything negative, you want to eat. I want to eat. I'll eat a little later. I'm not just going to follow every urge. Just because I want to eat, I sit down and eat. I'm in charge. I'm in control. Every time you suppress your nature, you rise above your nature, you do something a little unnatural, you're able to overcome your nature. It's only when you're above nature, then you can take nature and harness it. Take this powerful energy and harness it for the good. So every time you suppress your nature, you have this impact. You touch your deepest place inside of you. You're exercising your divine spark, your divine ability to truth. And you touch Hashem very deeply. And you provide Hashem with entertainment, with this pleasure. Then you have the ability to change this world. Then you have the ability to transform this world. Then you, you make this world into a holy place, a warm place, a godly place, a wholesome place, a genuine place, a place where where the world comes into focus, where truths are crystal clear, instead of blurry. Because when we just follow instincts, the world becomes a very blurry place. And people don't know right from wrong, and people don't know up from down, right from left. Everything becomes blurred, and people act in self-destructive ways, and the world, the world becomes a, a jungle. But when we, individually and collectively, and every time, every, any one of us, does the slightest, the slightest, we, we rise to the occasion and we overcome our urge and our instinct. And we shouldn't feel discouraged if we're not consistent, if we're not rising to the occasion every moment in our life. Even if you rise to the occasion once in your lifetime, once in your lifetime, you have the ability not to indulge, not to overcome your nature and your, and your instinct. It has such infinite repercussions. You did something holy. You did something divine. You exercised the soul inside of you. You touched the divine spark inside of it. And you touched the divine himself, God himself. And you brought light into this world. And you brought such goodness into the world. So instead of feeling sad for yourself and sorry for yourself and dejected, that why am I condemned to a life of struggle? Instead of surrendering to the struggle, succumbing, surrendering to your nature and instinct. But you should rejoice in your ability to rise above your urge, rise above your impulse, rise, rise above your nature, and to fulfill the divine will, and to do it joyfully, and fulfilling the negative prohibition of not following your urge and instincts, and fulfilling the positive of being holy, acting holy, and bringing holiness into our lives, into our daily lives. Kabbalah and the Psychology of the Soul, taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky.